<laughs> hey there, greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Regan McGee with us, who's the chairman, CEO and also the founder of Noble. And what Noble does is it empowers home buyers and sellers to giving by giving them more access, control and transparency when it comes to transacting, buying or selling a home. So let's welcome Regan and find out his story from him. So welcome, Regan. Thank you, Rajiv. It is absolutely great to be here. Awesome. So before we get into Noble, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. So I am in the Toronto area in Canada. Uh, I grew up here. I was born and raised here. I've spent most of my life in this area, always kind of as a little bit of an outsider. So for me to start a disruptive company isn't, you know, isn't, uh, is sort of in line with what people would expect from me. Um, I went to, I was too young when I went to college, uh, university, um, I uh, flunked out a couple of times. <laughs> uh, flunked, um, I, I did end up going back and finishing it and uh, graduated. And I, I ended up graduating with great marks, um, but it took me six years. <laughs> um, fortunately, I was still only uh, 21 when I graduated from undergrad. I, um, I then worked in uh, primarily in the investment business. And uh, it was a business that I just kind of fell into went into it because I thought it was sort of expected of me. It seemed like something a lot of my friends were doing. And, you know, if you went to the right schools and, you know, you could, you could kind of create a, a career for yourself where um, you made a lot of money. And um, it was something that I thought was important to me. I realized very quickly that it's, that was not what I wanted, but it took me a lot longer than it took me a while to kind of uh, figure out that that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, so throughout my 20s, I worked in the investment business. Yeah, it was it was something that um, initially I worked for sort of for larger companies. The you know it it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling for me. I didn't get to um, I didn't get to um, you know help people, and I didn't you know at night I wasn't in a position where I really felt like I'd done a lot of good for the world, and um, that became really obvious that that was something that was really important for me. Um, I, uh, started my own business, um, in my late twenties, uh, just right around when I turned 30. Um, and, um, I was working in real estate investment and development and, uh, I got my real estate license, uh, in my late twenties to trade my, the fund that I was, um, helping to manage. Um, and, uh, it was, it was interesting because I was really trying to help people and, um, it felt like I was a real outsider in, in the industry. Uh, everything in the industry was set up to sort of, you know, help people maximize their commission, maximize what you take home. Um, you know, it, there were all these seminars that everybody was around that were going to, and they're all about like protecting your commission, protecting your fees, protect, you know, and it wasn't really about adding value or helping people. And it just never really, um, it never really sat well with me. It wasn't, wasn't the life that I wanted to live. Um, I had some, uh, some serious, very serious health issues, uh, in my early thirties that, um, made me, um, reconsider the life that I wanted to live. I was in and out of comas for a year. Um, I was told multiple times that, you know, I might only have a couple of weeks to live. 
uh, it was very difficult for my wife and for myself. And th- there were probably, there were probably about three and a half years, almost four years of, uh, very difficult times for me, uh, from a health perspective and where things were extremely uncertain. That was the part of, I guess, the catalyst for me to, to pivot and, and build the life that I wanted. I founded Noble uh, six years ago, and I was actually in a rehab hospital re- recovering from major neurosurgery when, uh, when I founded, uh, when I founded my company, I came to the realization that life was short, you know, during the time that we're here, we, um, if I don't live every day with purpose, then I'm not living the life that I want. Yeah. So I, I fundamentally pivoted and I built the life that I wanted. And that was, that was, anyway, that was six years ago. That's phenomenal, Reagan. For, for the listeners, right? We probably went through all of that in a couple of minutes, but uh, I'm sure you went through a lot of turmoil, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of uh, thinking about it opportunities where you could have said, hey, I, let's, let's just give up and go back and do you know, what we've always done versus continue to trudge on. So you know, your initial career that you talked about in terms of uh, investment banking, how long did you do that? Um, so I was in the investment business from, uh, I started when I was in university, uh, like summer jobs, that, that sort of thing. I mentioned I got kicked out of school. I had to take a year off. Um, I, uh, I was, as I said, I was, I was way too young when I went to university. Um, I skipped some grades and it was not, um, something that I, I was too, I was too immature, uh, when I went and I didn't, I hadn't figured out enough yet. And so I was, um, after two years of university, I was 18 when I started working at, um, a company called Sunlight Financial, the Toronto based, uh, investment company. A financial company and uh, started in the mailroom, um, uh, opening mail, uh, very, very unglamorous work, um, making very, very small amounts of money. And, uh, and it was really, it was really hard. It was something that um, I think uh, in retrospect was one of the best things that ever could happen to me. Um, I grew up a lot. It was really difficult work. And um, if I hadn't had that, that year, I, for, I got promoted and got, you know, got to uh, in more interesting things while I was there. Um, but uh, um, it was a real learning experience and it was, and that was tough. So that was when I was, yeah, I was 18 at that time. And I stayed in the industry until I was, uh, I shifted into the real estate side of the investment business when I was 28 uh, or 29 rather. So 2009. And then in uh, uh, 20, uh, beginning of 20, uh, or end of 2013, I guess, I started to have really serious health problems. And the end of 2013 was, excuse me, when I, yeah, when I started to kind of reevaluate things. And Rajiv, as you said, uh, yeah, we talked about it in a couple of minutes, but it was uh, the four years of my life where I was, you know, in and out of comas, major neurosurgeries, like, it was, uh, I mean, I had to learn how to walk again twice in four years. I had to learn how to swallow, hold a pen, like really basic stuff, you know, doing up shirt buttons. Like, um, I, um, you know, I graduated from a wheelchair to a walker to like ski poles to, you know, walking without, uh, anything. And, um, said, we talked about it in a few minutes. That was, it was, it was a very long, very difficult four years. And there were many times where I, um, could have, quit essentially. 
You know, you were actually, uh, you know, reconstructing your, your life, right? The basic yeah. foundational elements that a lot of people take for granted. So while you were going through that, where did you find the, the energy, the purpose, the motivation to found Noble? Um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to be totally honest. I think I've got a big chip on my shoulder. And, um, I think by being told all the things that I couldn't do, um, I think that was part of what motivated me. Uh, I was told, you know, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do that again. My, my wife, when I was in a coma was told that's going to be a vegetable and she's going to be taking care of me for the rest of, you know, our lives. And, uh, um, I, I think just being told over and over again, um, that I, you know, wasn't able to, that's what really motivated me. I always had drive this. Um, I always had a fire in me, I guess I could call it. And this just kind of threw gasoline on the fire. This made me, it really awoken, it awakened something inside of me. And, um, you know, it was, it was really hard. I had to fight for everything. I mean, I had to fight to, you know, literally sit up in bed in a hospital bed, like, I had, you know, I had physiotherapists um, who had a huge impact on my life. Uh, um, you know, doctors obviously were important. Um, they literally saved my life. Physiotherapists, I think, were the ones who helped me re realize that I needed to lead a life of purpose. They were the ones that were encouraging and kind and, de you know, decent people. And, um, you know, being surrounded by good people, that were, and I mean, they're really underpaid for the work they do. Um, being, being surrounded by, you know, nurses and physiotherapists and people that are, you know, genuinely doing good for the world and helping people. Um, that seeing that up close and personal and having a huge amount of respect for them made me reevaluate the life I was living. And it made me think about, um, you know, what have I done with my life? If I were to die today, what are people going to say about me? Who have I really helped? Who, what's my legacy? Where, you know, how have I made the world better? And those weren't questions that I was asking myself before I had these, before, you know, and when I was 30 years old, I didn't ask myself that. Um, and that is what led me to um, the point where I wanted to live a life of purpose. And uh, and I was just determined at that point, I was determined to build the life that I wanted from nothing. And I mean, nothing like I was literally, when I founded my company, I was in a hospital recovering from major neurosurgery, being told all these things I could never do. And, um, I had basically no money at that point. Um, I'd spent everything. I'd been in the hospital for years. Um, I, uh, and yeah, I was, I was just absolutely determined that, my life was going to be a life where I was going to help a lot of people and um, make a positive impact on the world. And I, nothing was going to stop me. So, you know, you had been in real estate before and then with Noble, you're back into real estate. So what, what's the difference between your real estate career before versus what, no, what you do through Noble? So what I was doing before was providing returns for investors in real estate. So developing um, uh, townhouse projects, low-rise, uh, you know, apartment buildings, low-rise uh, condo developments, um, things like that, that um, were, you know, producing 
positive internal rates of return that were significant, significantly higher than most investors could get virtually anywhere else. So, I mean, I was providing a service and these were people, you know, people's retirement accounts and stuff. So like, it's not like I was, you know, I wasn't out hurting people, but it was, it was, um, I wasn't, I, I definitely wasn't thinking every night about, wow, look at how much, you know, how much I helped this person's retirement account. Like that just, that's not, that's not what it was. I was in the job kind of so, it's so deep in the weeds that I, I was, I didn't really have perspective on, on my life in, in terms of, um, you know, living with like trying to add value and add purpose. Like I just, um, that it was, it was a very different, um, motivation for me. Um, after founding or when I founded Noble, I guess, and since my mission has been to help people and help people get the best possible um, value, service, uh, equality, um, accountability when it comes to their single biggest asset uh, for most people. So most people, their single biggest assets, their home. Um, most people, the biggest fee they ever pay in their life is real estate transaction fees. Um, and the average person does it, um, they, they move more than five times. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge amount of fees when you, when you add them all together. Um, and there's very questionable value associated with what, uh, what's being returned for those, uh, in return for those fees. Um, I saw firsthand, I do still have a real estate license. I've had one for, I think, I don't know, 12 or 13 years now. And, um, I, uh, I mean, I saw firsthand you know, working inside brokerages, um, there are some really good people that are real estate agents. Like there, there are, there's uh, the public, a lot of the time doesn't agree with that statement, but it, it is true. There are great people that have real estate licenses that work as real estate agents. There are also some terrible ones. And those are the ones that the public seems to be very aware of because they make such a big impact with some of their deplorable behavior. And so, you know, I like being in the brokerages when I, when I had, um, when I, when I got my real estate license, I had to join a brokerage and, you know, walking around the brokerage, I'd see agents writing their own reviews online, writing testimonials on, you know, flyers that they drop off at houses. Like it was all total BS. Like it was just like, they were designing uh, basically systems to scam people. Um, and then I would see other people within that brokerage that were honest, decent people that were trying to provide good value. And, weren't actually getting any deal flow. So the, the one of the things that real estate agents don't really talk to the public about is the job of being a real estate agent is actually getting deal flow. Um, the 80% of agents do less than four transactions a year. Um, the agents that are the top producers uh, that dominate neighborhoods, sometimes they're terrible, <laughs> but they dominate the neighborhoods. So everybody thinks, oh yeah, this is the top agent in my neighborhood. And then you know, if, if you actually ask the person, well, why is this the person, the person, the top agent in your neighborhood, they'll say, well, they've got the most for sale signs or, you know, or they've dropped off the most flyers or, you know, something, something along those lines. Um, but they don't, they can't actually talk in terms of real data. Uh, agents off, often, uh, or unscrupulous agents, I should say, often pull together data points. They cherry pick data to try to create a narrative to show that they're number one. I mean, how many agents, you know, are number one, <laughs> how many, you know, how many agents have you seen with flyers saying I'm number one, I'm number one, I'm number one. Right. And it's all just, it's all total BS. So the agents that do well are really good at customer acquisition. And some of them are 
pretty terrible people. Some of them have teams where you meet the, you know, the head of the team once when they sign your contract and you never see them again. And you're giving them typically five to 6% of your single biggest asset. I mean, the amount of work that it takes to buy a home and own a home and maintain a home, it's like, it's, it's huge. And, you know, for, for somebody to do a couple hours worth of work for five to 6% of that is like, it's crazy. Um, uh, and at the same time, as I said, there are phenomenal real estate agents that don't have their own, you know, marketing teams or systems in place. And they just need high quality deal flow. They need transactions, they need clients. And the brokerages don't really provide that. Like there's no, there's nothing that provides that. There's lead generation platforms where you're buying the same leads as every other agent and they get sold over and over again. And, you know, the person you're calling, by the time you're calling them, they're saying, stop calling me, you know, like they don't want to be harassed. Uh, and then there's like, you know, um, advertising companies where agents buy to advertise. And then they see, you know, if you're browsing a public browsing a property and then they see like the agent on a, a listing on, you know, some of the big platforms you would think of when you're browsing real estate, um, you know, the agents have paid to be there and, you know, they'll have given themselves, you know, 2000 five-star reviews. So, um, you know, the consumer sees it and they go, wow, this person's great. But the reality is that they don't know what they're getting. And then the other agents that are trying to do it kind of the more kind of genuine, honest way are, aren't getting any deal flow. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that, my platform does is it allows high quality agents to showcase that they're high quality because we show real data, real user reviews. Uh, they, you know, they get, they get an honest, an honest shot at, at real business with no upfront costs or no subscription fees. And I, I know this isn't a marketing thing for my company, but no, no, we don't, no tell, yeah. tell us, tell us more about, um, uh, you know, you mentioned buyers and sellers, right? So how, how's this, How's Noble structured and what does it offer on either end? So um, if you're looking to buy or sell real estate, you can come on our platform, put in basic information about what you're looking to buy or sell. And then um, all the different agents from all the different brokerages can compete for your business. And they compete on three um, categories. One is commission. So how much they're going to charge you. And typically what you'll see on our platform is significant savings for the consumer, like, you know, 20, 30% of the biggest fee they're going to pay in their lifetime. Uh, the second part that they compete on is the overall service offering. So what are they going to do for you? Home staging, virtual tours, tours, those sorts of things. And the third thing is uh, track record. So, um, you know, list to sale price ratio, average days on market, average, you know, typical property type that person sells, neighborhoods they've sold in, uh, average price. Uh, so you as the consumer, you get the best possible agent paying the lowest possible fee with the most possible, with the most services. And we literally have thousands of brokerages on our platform and each brokerage obviously has many, many agents. So, um, you know, as, as a consumer, you get the same agents you get anywhere else, except you pay lower fees. You have real accountability that our platform creates. Um, and, uh, and it's all, it's all part of the contract. So all these add on services that, you know, some dishonest agents will, will, add on like um, like the home staging and virtual tours, et cetera, they're part of the contract. So as the consumer, you get a clear contract for what am I actually paying for? You know, what am I going to get in return for all these fees I'm paying? And if you as the consumer aren't happy, we swap out the agent. So if, if you're getting provided terrible service, we swap out the agent. So you as the consumer get the best possible experience. On the agent side of our marketplace, 
we get, we spend as a business, we spend millions of dollars a month getting high quality deal flow for real estate agents. So, and we ask for no upfront costs or subscriptions and we help them close transactions. So they only pay us success fees. If they close transactions, they pay us a fee out of the money they're making. So there's no risk to them. So we're from the, you know, for the supply side, it's free money. We're literally giving agents free high quality deal flow that we spend millions of dollars a month gathering for them. Um, for the demand side being the consumer, they get the best possible agents uh, at the best possible prices with real accountability. So it's, it's a win-win for both sides. And that's the, the life of purpose that I live now is, um, and we are consumer centric. I'm not going to pretend like we're, we're agent centric. We're consumer centric. The reality is good quality agents do phenomenally well on our platform. So we are helping them out, but ultimately we're helping people with the most important asset that they have. And so that's, that's how I approach every single day. And that's, that's fundamentally different from how I lived my life uh, 10 years ago. So yes, I have been in real estate for a long time, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a totally different part of the industry with a totally different mission. And what, what geographies is this applicable to? Is it uh, U.S. and Canada? Yeah, we're, we're across Canada. We're in 36 states in, in the United States. Uh, by the end of 2022, uh, we would expect to be in all all states as well as uh, across all of Canada. So all 50 states and uh, across all of Canada by the end of this year. That's where we're expecting to be. And you mentioned uh, you've been in business for about six years now? Yeah. For, um, and uh, initially it was really, really hard. So that pivot from, you know, the life that I was kind of, you know, in that I wasn't particularly enjoying um, to uh, where we are today, it took a huge amount of work. Um, I mean, 2016, we had no revenue. We, my wife and I spent almost all of our savings. 2017, no revenue. Spent like the rest of our savings. Uh, you know, 2019, uh, as a company, we had about $100,000 of, of net revenue. Um, 2020, we had about $20 million of net revenue. 2021, we had $37 million of net revenue. This year, we're on track for 85 million of net revenue. Everything I'm giving is in US dollars. Uh, uh, next 12 months, we're on track for 120 million of, of net revenue. And those, to be clear, that's our company's uh, take. Um, that's the fees that we charge uh, real estate agents, uh, essentially. Um, it's not the value of properties sold or anything. In terms of value of properties sold, we're at, a, I think, about 7 billion in terms of uh, sales on our platform. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're becoming a business of uh, a noteworthy business. Like we're, we're a disruptive company and we're disrupting the biggest industry in the world. Um, and we're the only company in the world doing what we're doing. So it's um, yeah, this, um, this really hard work and this, you know, life of meaning is um, it's, it's funny. It's starting to, it's turning into a um, highly, highly profitable business with uh, phenomenal sales that, um, and, and it's amazing when I think about 10 years ago, you know, tr- you know, maximizing fees and commission and all that versus today living a life of giving to people and, um, you know, service to others, essentially. Um, you know, I guess like we, we, I'm, I'm now in a position where we're making, you know, a hundred times what I was making 10 years ago, even though I'm focusing on giving to others, which is, um, interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, just talking about, uh, your company and the model that you have, um, it is a very high disruptive model. Um, 
what's been the um, the barrier to entry for for the competition to step in? Um, well, we do have patents filed in Canada, the U.S., the EU, and the U.K. Um, we're they're technically still pending, um, but we've gone through a lot of the questioning and everything, and so. Um, we and their uh, process patents on our overall business. So that is uh, certainly helpful. Um, the other, uh, I guess, noteworthy things around in that, along that line are um, the industry is too big to be winner take all. It's just, it's way too big. Um, the total attainable market is it's over $5 trillion a year. Um, so like, it's not winner take all. It's going to be, uh, there are going to be multi multiple companies that are all successful um, with uh, less than 10% market share on our fully built out ecosystem. So that includes, you know, insurance and mortgage and everything else. Um, we would be the biggest company in the world. <laughs> we'd be bigger than, you know, uh, Saudi Aramco. We'd be bigger than the bank of China. We'd be, we'd be the biggest company in the world with less than 10% market share. So it's not, it's not winner take all. Um, there will be several successful companies in the space. There's, there's no question about that. Um, we are first mover though. So having uh, you know first mover advantage is definitely helpful. Um, the team that we have is unparalleled. Uh, my leadership team, and this is just my senior leadership team in my C-suite, has had more than 20 multi-billion dollar exits or go public transactions. Um, so we have a team that has done this multiple times before. We're, we're so far ahead, it would be very difficult for, for someone else to catch up. The acquired knowledge we have from the last six years is something that even if people try to reverse engineer and rip off what we're doing and stuff, which we've seen, you know, some, some people try to do that. Um, you know, they, they, let's say they could, if what, let's say they could rip off what we've done in the last six years and it only takes them six months to do it. Well, six months from now, we're going to be six months ahead of where we are today. <laughs> And so, um, like, they're going to be constantly playing catch up. Uh, other companies in the space, if they were to try to pivot from, you know, being an agent-centric lead generation platform or being a, you know, an agent-centric, like, advertising platform or, you know, so any, anything like that, it, it's, it's impossible. Like, if you look at, you know, who, do incumbents ever really pivot and succeed when, the, when there's been a paradigm shift? And the answer is almost never. It does happen, but it's almost never. Um, so, um, yeah, in terms of like an upstart coming along, they've got a lot of catch up work to do and it's too big to be one to take off. That's, um, and then there's patents pending and stuff too. So, awesome. um, yeah. Awesome. And, uh, you know, in this short six year journey, what do you believe, uh, has been the impetus to, to grow both on the, the agent side as well as on the customer side any sp specific techniques you used in order to attract uh, you know your the supply and demand interesting question so on the uh, supply side being real estate agents um, marketplaces like uh, Amazon or Airbnb or Uber they have to spend a lot of money getting their suppliers so some customer acquisition costs for them are on the supply side as well as the as well as the customer. There, um, Uber spends a, you know a lot of money like getting drivers and uh, you know managing them and like it, it's 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 quite a lot of work. And I have a lot of respect for what they, the company they built. Um, Airbnb, same thing, finding hosts and you know managing all that. It's uh, uh, again, I have a huge amount of respect for what they built. Um, for us, um, it's kind of like cheating. 
because we have the phone numbers, the email addresses, the mailing addresses and all that for every single real estate agent in North America. So um, every one of them has already put up their hands and said, I want to make money in this business. Um, the phenomenal thing for us is we only need about 30 agents per market to have a successful marketplace. As long as we're offering 30 realtors from you know different brokerages, different levels of experience, different backgrounds, et cetera. So um, uh, when we look at, you know, cities that have, you know, 60, 70,000 agents just in that one city, and we need 30, not 30,000, but 30. Um, and maybe that city is 10 markets. You know, we're talking a few hundred agents that we need um, out of, you know, 30, 40, 50,000. So um, we don't need a ton of agents. So the supply side of our marketplace is really, really easy. Again, we're spending millions of dollars a month getting them high quality deal flow. No subscriptions for them, no upfront costs, no in fees. They're only paying us uh, transaction fees when they close the deals out of the money they're, that they're making and we're helping them close those deals. So the biggest challenge for us on the supply side is there's just too many. And we do derank real estate agents every single day so they don't get more deal flow if they're providing bad quality service to the consumers on our platform. And the reality is if some of these are big producers and they say, oh, I sold 150 houses last year. Who are you to derank me? And we say, you know, we respect you. Good for you. You're doing business, you know, phenomenally well for making yourself money. We're just, we have a different mission. And so we will, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not doing the job that we're asking you to do, the reality is we have 1.5 million more real estate agents right behind you that are willing to take high quality free deal flow. So from the real estate agents perspective, the supply side, um, that's covered. Um, and then, as I said, high quality agents, they get, we give them more and more deal flow. And, uh, and they, I mean, they're, they're thrilled, right? Like we're, we're transforming their lives. The uh, demand side being consumers, um, if nobody knows about us, then it doesn't matter how good our product is. Um, so we do spend money on customer acquisition on the demand side. Uh, we haven't really seen a ton of network effect. We're starting to see it. So people that have had a great experience and they tell their friends and stuff, like we're, we're starting to see that. Um, but uh, we use digital ads and, you know, uh, we, we do spend money on, on that side of the business. The, the thing is with the digital ads as well, it's really predictable. So we have a re predictable return on advertising spend and a predictable customer acquisition cost. And it's predictable in individual markets at scale. I mean, we're in over hundred markets. So like it's really predictable. So for, in terms of building like a real business, being able to predict your, uh, you know, the value of, of what you get back from a customer versus your uh, cost to acquire that customer gives you um, a phenomenal amount of, uh, uh, ability to, to have like foresight into your future uh, as a company. So we assume on our platform that we get no referral business whatsoever. The reality is we do uh, get some and it's, and we are starting to see that happen more and more. Um, but yeah, we have to tell people um, the biggest challenge on the demand side being the customers is people think it's too good to be actually on both sides for that matter is people think it's too good to be true. So realtors, when we tell them, we're spending millions of dollars a month to get you high quality deal flow for free. They think it's too good to be true. What's the cash? It's a scam. You know, you're going to ask me for my credit card number. You're going to ask me for, which we don't, we're going to, you know, we're going to ask them for something like there's some book that, that they don't see yet. So um, they think it's a scam at first. That's the biggest challenge on the supply side of the business. On the demand side, they also think it's a scam because they go, wait, wait, hold on. You're going to be the best agents uh, from the best brokerages that are going to provide the best quality service. And I'm going to pay way less money. Um, you know, and I'm not, and then it's all free. Like I don't pay for any of this. It's a scam. What's, what's the catch? So the biggest hurdle we've had is both sides think it's too good to be true. 
And like, and if it's so good, why has nobody done this before? Why, why aren't there 50 other companies doing this? Like that's, um, I mean, which is a good position to be in. Like it's, it's great when, when both sides think this is so good, like it's too good to be true. That's, it's a good position. It's a great position for us to be in. Absolutely. Well, Rian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Very inspiring. And uh, the work that you're doing through Noble. We wish you the very best uh, on your growth journey. And uh, we look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rajiv. I really appreciate your time. And I love what you do. As I said earlier, I think, I think it's phenomenal what you're doing. I think inspiring people to you know, take control of their lives and live a life of meaning is there's, you know, there's nothing better. And I, I have a huge amount of respect for you and what you're doing. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much. Bye.